You are now listening to the Bayshore Community Church Podcast. Our mission is to connect to God, connect to people, and to serve the community. Thank you for joining us today and wherever you are listening. We hope that this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Our prayer is that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning, Bayshore. Good to see everybody this morning here at our Millsboro campus, 1030. So good to see everybody. Hey, how many Eagles fans do we have out there today? Are you an Eagles fan? Raise your hand if you're not ashamed there. How about that? Look at all those Eagles fans. They are incredible. How about Redskin fans? Get some Redskin fans here. Our commanders, my apologies there. Commanders, those are people of great faith there. When you see a commanders fan, you know that's a person of great faith. How about some sad Ravens fans? Any sad Ravens fans? My goodness, what do you think? I couldn't even wear the shirt today. I'm so depressed about that. How about that? It's good to see everybody. Uh, Joe Keenan over here is a San Francisco 49er fan. He's already on it, been a 49er fan for years. And his little son Zion is now 49ers fan. So you guys are, are set up good. I'm, so who I'm rooting for today, I'm rooting for anybody but Kelsey today. So that's my deal. So that's just me. But uh, anyhow, so glad you're here. Hope you have a great day uh, watching the game, hanging out with family, eating some good food, watching the halftime show. So uh, just so glad to have you with us here at Bayshore this morning. Great service at our film college campus this morning. Uh, kind of raining and everything, but people coming to church. And you guys, all of you came through the rain and all that. Just so thankful for you being here. We are in a series on generosity. And we, uh, Pastor Jeremy did an incredible job last week talking about generosity and how generous our church is. We have such a great church and God is doing so many great things here at Bayshore and your generosity last year was just mind-blowing. We received over two million dollars last year in contributions at all of our campuses and we bought land in Rehoboth and uh, our campuses are growing and we're able to add some staff and it's just been some wonderful things that you guys have helped us do. So this is a series to thank you for your generosity, also to teach about generosity through the scriptures and uh, so today we're going to be looking at one of my favorite passages uh, in the New Testament about Paul talking about generosity. And we're going to actually read out of two different sections of Scripture, um, actually uh, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 8, or excuse me, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and then some of 2 Corinthians chapter 9. So let me read it to you a little bit, and then we'll get started. Uh, he said, verse 1 of 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1, And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. The Macedonian churches, by the way, were established on Paul's second, second missionary journey. That's the church of Philippi, which we have the book of Philippians. Then the church of Thessalonica, we have Thessalonians. And then a church called Berea, that's the Macedonian churches. He said, in the midst of very severe trial, their ever-flowing joy and extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God to also to us. So we urged Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you would excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in love, we have kindled in you. See that you excel in this grace of giving. I am not commanding you, but I want to testify 
to your sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. And there is my, here is my judgment about what is best for you in this matter. Last year, you were the first not only to give, but also to have a desire to do so. Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. Now I want to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and then beginning in verse 5. So I thought it necessary to urge, you brother, urge the brothers to visit you in advance and to finish the arrangement for the generous gift you have promised. Then it will be ready as a generous gift, not as one grudgingly given. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Who sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what he decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Well, when I think about uh, generosity, I think, you know, sometimes generosity occurs uh, in people. Sometimes we don't expect it to be occurring in. I just read this week that uh, Stephen King, the author of uh, a lot of kind of unusual books, uh, is an uh, avid person of generosity that gives incredibly to help other people. Uh, I don't know, I want to, maybe some of you have read Stephen King's books, The Green Mile, uh, The Shawshank Redemptions, The Shining. How many have ever read a Stephen King book sometime on vacation? Incredible writer, uh, genre a little different than what I read, but a really incredible writer. Maybe you don't know this about Stephen King. Stephen King used to be an alcoholic, he was uh, really, really in bondage to alcoholism and got worked through that issue. He also was a guitarist, and he has a band that he plays in, and he loves to uh, play music. There's a bunch of well-known authors that have put a band together, and Stephen King is a part of that. He's also a, uh, just a big, big Boston Red Sox fan. But what you may not know about Stephen King is a couple years ago, he had a real serious accident. And he was walking along a road in Maine, and as he was walking along a road, a, road a, a, a van hit him, threw him in the ditch, and crushed his legs. Uh, Stephen King said that uh, his tibia was sticking out through his jeans, and he said his, uh, he was covered with mud and blood, and he said that... Uh, you know, when you're covered in mud and blood and glasses in your hair, he said, I had a MasterCard in my pocket, but a MasterCard doesn't do you any good when you're covered in blood and mud and glass in your hair. It was that moment in Stephen King's life where he had an epiphany that his life was to be about giving. He had been blessed in many ways. He said that, you know, 
I don't even know how much money I've made. He said, compared to Bill Gates, I'm still third world. He said, but I have been blessed in many ways. And he decided that he would become a, a generous and a giving person. Stephen King, the author, gives $3 million away every year, particularly to his state, his beloved state, uh, Maine. He helps homeless shelters. He helps all kinds of uh, uh, places that help other people. And so Stephen King, this famous author, because he got a glimpse of how short his life could be, decided to become a radical, generous giver. I heard him speak uh, via YouTube at Vassar College, which is Poughkeepsie, New York, a couple years ago. And he said this. He said that everybody comes into this world unclothed or naked. I say naked different than everybody else. You all know that. And uh, he, everybody comes into this world naked and unclothed. He said we may all go out dressed up a little bit, but every one of us goes out of this world broke. He said that uh, Warren Buffett will go out of this world broke. He said, uh, he said, every rich person you can think of, Bill Gates, will go out of this world broke. He said that Stephen King will go out of this world broke. So what an interesting revelation that Stephen King got. Someone that probably doesn't know the Lord as far as I know, but he got a glimpse that his life was to be more about others than about himself. And Stephen King, as he challenged Vassar College, a very, very prestigious school in Poughkeepsie, New York, as he challenged that school and that graduating class, he said to them, he said, listen, you need to make your life about something bigger than yourself. You need to make your life about something more important than accumulating wealth for yourself. And he challenged that class. And in that very commencement speech, he gave $20,000 just on the side to help a homeless shelter in Poughkeepsie, New York. So I was inspired by that. And I was thinking about how he got the vision of helping other people. And I think that's what is really generosity is all about. Generosity is about helping other people. Everything we do here at Bayshore is about helping people helping other people. You know, we have some buildings and we have some equipment and we have some microphones and we have some great cameras and we have some great staff people. But everything we do at the end of the day is about helping people. Every Wednesday, uh, actually on Tuesday, a group of you, a group of people from our Rehoboth campus and from our uh, Fenwick Island campus come here and they stock shelves they stock food that we purchase and get provided for us, some from the food bank. We fill our, our shelves in our little grocery store with food. And on Wednesday, uh, maybe 30 or 40, sometimes 50 families will come. And they will, we give them dignity. We don't hand them a box and say, here's your food, take it. We give them a grocery card. We give them dignity. We say, you go through these aisles and you pick out what you want to eat. You know, everything that we do is about helping people, helping people. Now, I read about this lady that was a real wealthy lady. She was uh, doing quite well. And uh, she, had this, uh, she had this cat, this stray cat. The lady's name was Maria Asunta, Maria Asunta. 
She had a stray cat, a black cat that showed up at her house. And this lady, Maria Assunta, owned all kinds of real estate in Italy. And she was a uh, real estate magnet. She had all of these resources. And when she died, she left $15 million to that black cat, uh, uh, Tomasino. One more reason not to like cats. You know what I mean? (laughs) Sorry for all the cat lovers that I just offended. Hey, listen, I'm sure it's a great cat, a fat cat now. I think it's a great cat. That's fine. But let me tell you something. We're to use our wealth to help people, to help people. That's what Paul is talking about in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and chapter 9. You know, what he's doing is there's a a poverty uh, area in Jerusalem around the Jerusalem church, the Jewish Christians have suffered a famine and there's this incredible dearth of funds and people are not having enough to eat and families are starving. So Paul takes the opportunity to gather money from the Gentile churches that he has planted and he gathers money and he takes that money to the Jerusalem church to help them. Part of his vision is there's been a great division between the Jewish church and the Gentile church. And Paul's vision is unity. And he thinks if I can get the Gentile churches to give money to help the Jewish church in their time of need, maybe that will produce unity. So Paul gathered funds to help people. Everything we do here at Bayshore is about people. It's not about a person. It's not about a superstar. It's not about the band. It's not about me. It's not about the lights. It's not about the smoke machines. What we do here is we are called to help people, to encourage people. And when those people come on Wednesday with their grocery carts and they come in and we let them shop and, and then we take their, 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 uh, their groceries and we help load them in the car for them and we hug them And sometimes we pray with them. Everything we do is about people, helping people. Money is about helping people. It's not about cathedrals. It's not about about all the grandeur. It's about people. And that's what Paul was doing. And Paul was raising money to help these people that had needs. Now, Paul taught us something about giving. He said giving is not to be out of duty, but out of love. Giving is supposed to be out of, not out of duty, not out of obligation, but giving is supposed to be out of love. It's supposed to be motivated by love. Paul said, God loves a cheerful giver. He said, don't give grudgingly. Don't give out of pain. Don't give out of obligation. God loves a cheerful giver. It's the word hilarious in the Greek, and I guess we get our word hilarious from that, but it really means God loves happy givers. He loves people that are happy when they're giving. The lowest form of giving, motivation for giving, is duty giving, giving out of obligation. I remember when I was a kid, grew up in church, he used to talk about paying your tithes you got to pay your tithes. Maybe you've heard that phrase before. I never liked that phrase. got to pay your tithes. I think about 
You know, that sounds like, you know, got to pay your electricity. You got to pay your electric bill. You know, I pay my electric bill not out of love. I pay my electric bill out of fear. Because if I don't pay my electric bill, they're going to turn my electric off and I can't watch TV then. You know, I don't pay my taxes out of love. I mean, I love my country, but I've got to pay taxes as you do. But I don't pay my taxes out of love. I pay it out of duty. If I don't, I'm going to be in trouble with the IRS. Heard about this guy that, you know, he couldn't sleep at night and he wrote the IRS a letter and he said, you know, I can't sleep because I cheated on my taxes. Here's $200. And P.S. If I still can't sleep, I'll send you the rest. You know what I mean? We are, we are not supposed to give out a duty. God says he loves a cheerful giver. You know, this week is Valentine's. If you're not aware of that, guys, just make a mental note. It's Valentine's. And I remember, uh, you know, every year I go shopping, get Karen something, cards or whatever, and sometimes flowers or whatever, and I remember standing in line one time looking at all the other guys there, and I'm wondering, why are they here? Are they here out of fear or out of love? <laughs> are they playing offense or are they playing defense? I remember one year I got Karen a, for Mother's Day. It was one of those times where the kids were little and the kids were sucking her brains out, and she was like stressed, and I got her this little plant for Mother's Day, and it wasn't big enough for what she'd been doing. And I remember planting it, and she, you know, she brought her friend over. Look at this plant. I'm getting this plant for all I'm doing. Next year, I got a bush. I mean, I got a bush next year. But giving is supposed to be out of love. You give out of love. You you give your tithe, you give your percentage to the Lord out of love. It's not out of duty. You know, it's out of gratitude for what the Lord has done for you. Think about this. Zacchaeus in Luke chapter 19. Zacchaeus, the wee little man, the little short Zacchaeus, who was the chief of tax collectors, and he was very wealthy. Some people think he had the Napoleon complex because he was short. He had to compensate with wealth to make himself feel important. So he had all this money, but he didn't have any friends. He didn't have any relationships. He, didn't, he, was, he had money, but you know what good is money if you have nobody to hang out with? And so Jesus was coming through Jericho. When he saw, that, heard that Jesus was coming through Jericho, Jericho, Zacchaeus climbed up on a sycamore tree so he could see Jesus. And Jesus came over to him at the base of that sycamore tree. And Jesus said to him, Zacchaeus, come down this day. I must eat in your house. I don't know how Jesus knew his name. Probably because he was famous in Jericho. Maybe word of knowledge, spirit of God told Jesus his name. I don't know. But Zacchaeus, the lonely rich man, sat across the table from Jesus for lunch and Jesus' loving eyes looked at him and melted his heart and Jesus gave him value and worth and his identity was restored. His identity no longer was rooted in his finances. 
His identity now was rooted in the one who loved him unconditionally. And what was the net result of that? The net result of that was Zacchaeus stood up and he says, half of everything I make, I'll give to the poor. His converted heart made him a giver. His love for Jesus and Jesus loving him transformed him from a tight-fisted miser to becoming a man who didn't need wealth for his identity anymore, and he gave half of everything he earned to the poor. Falling in love with Jesus transforms us from miserly behavior to giving behavior. When we meet Jesus and Jesus fills our heart and we know how much he loves us and he changes our life and we realize that he can change other people's lives, we give because we want to express our love for Jesus and we want other people to experience the love that Jesus has brought to our life. See, the highest motivation for giving is love, not duty. It's love. The woman, there's several women, actually, if you read in the Gospels, that poured perfume on the feet of Jesus or the hair of Jesus. There's one in Luke chapter 7, and they, they, they took pure nard. Nard was a, a special exotic plant from India and in the Hindi, uh, Himalaya, Himalayan mountains in that area. And it was exported. It was very expensive. And this woman who loved Jesus so much, she broke open her alabaster box filled with pure nard and poured it on the feet of Jesus. And people were shocked. They said, this cost a whole year's wages. It should have been given to the poor. And Jesus said, leave her alone. She's done a wonderful thing to honor my burial. And one of the versions says that it was a sinful woman that did that. And it was out of her great love for Jesus that she gave. And the Pharisee there said, hey, why did that happen? This is a ridiculous thing that happened, and, and it shouldn't have happened. And Jesus said to the Pharisee, if somebody owes 500 denarii, or if somebody owes 50 denarii, and each of them are forgiven, who's going to love the most? And the Pharisee had to admit, it must be the woman that's forgiven it must be the person that's forgiven the greater debt. So her giving was motivated not by duty, not by obligation, not by I need to do this. This is my responsibility. This is what I need to do. It was motivated by love. It was motivated by love. This week, Nixon, my grandson, was uh, with us on Wednesday, spent the night and uh, Nixon uh, and Nora were with us. And so Nora was down here at the church with, uh, with uh, Karen. And, and Nixon and I were hanging out. We went to the pet store and we did some things he liked to do. And I was craving some Dairy Queen and wanted a chocolate fudge sundae. And so I went, I said, Nixon, let's get some ice cream. And so we went to Dairy Queen and we're standing there. And Nixon looks up at the, uh, the menu there and he said, uh, I want a, 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 a mucha latte, mucha latte. I want a mucha latte, he said. I said, Nixon, are you sure that's what? Yeah, it was a pretty picture. I want a mucha latte. I said, okay, you're my grandson. You get whatever you want. You get whatever you want. I ordered a, my chocolate fudge sundae, and we sit down, and Nixon tastes the mucha latte, and he said, oh, Papa, this isn't good. He said, 
I don't hate it, but I don't like it either. I said, Nixon, would you like to have my chocolate fudge sundae? He grabbed it so fast, he left a skid mark on the table. <laughs> and I took the mocha latte, and I'm watching Nixon eat my stolen <laughs> chocolate fudge sundae. And there was no pain in my heart. There was no regret, no pain, no sorrow in my heart as I saw him eat that chocolate fudge sundae because I love that boy. And when I give out of love, it does not hurt. When I give out of duty, it hurts. When I give out of obligation, it's, it's suffering. But when I give out of love, it does not hurt because the highest form of giving is love. Paul said, I don't want you to give out of obligation. I don't want you to give out of duty. I don't want you to give out of responsibility. I want you to give out of gratitude and love because God loves a cheerful giver. First time the word tithe is mentioned has nothing to do with the law. It's in the book of Genesis chapter 14 where Abraham is there with his, uh, his wife Sarah and his nephew Lot has moved near, towards Sodom and Gomorrah and is living in that region. And Sodom and Gomorrah and some other towns there had rebelled against the king of Shinar and some other kings in the Babylonian area. And they come to conquer the area. They've conquered the whole region, and they come to, to punish this area of, that, that's not paying their tribute anymore. And Lot, Lot is in that area, and so he's taken captive, and he's taken way to the north of Israel. And Abraham, who has 318 trained men, goes against four organized armies to retrieve his nephew Lot. And he goes, travels through the night, and God anoints him. And miraculously, Abraham defeats these five organized kings. And he brings Lot back home. And as he's getting back home, he comes by the little village of Salem, which later became Jerusalem. And Salem means peace. And the king of Salem came out, and his name was Melchizedek. And Melchizedek means king of righteousness. So this was the king of righteousness and the king of peace. And he brings out bread and wine for Abraham. It's a picture of Jesus in the Old Testament. And it says that Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. This is long before Moses, long before the law of Leviticus. What this is about is Abraham is so grateful for God's grace in his life to help him defeat those armies that had his nephew Lot. That out of gratitude to El Shaddai, the great provider, he voluntarily gives a tenth. It's a model, it's not a law. It's not, a, it's not a law that if you don't tithe, you're going to go to hell. It's a model. It's a wonderful model. J.C. Penney, remember the guy that had J.C. Penney's store? J.C. Penney 
gave 10% of his income from J.C. Penney's sales. And then he gave 20%, then 30%, then he was over 50%, and 60, 70% toward the end of his life. He was just grateful for God's blessing. It's not a duty. It's not a duty. It's not an obligation. I don't hold my wife's hand because I'm obligated to. I don't hug her because I'm obligated to do that. When I come and give my offering to the church, what I've done consistently over my whole lifetime since I was 14 years old, as I've given consistently, I used to give out of obligation, you got to pay your tithe. Somewhere along the line, I began to read Paul and understand that that's, God doesn't love that kind of giver. God loves a, a happy giver that gives out of love, that gives out of love. When Karen and I went to, we got married in 1977. We um, went to Bible college in 1979, moved to Pensacola, Florida, went to this little Bible college down there, Liberty Bible College. And we lived in a mobile home. The rent was $185 when we first moved down there. That was a lot of money. So we found a house in Brownsville for $110 a month. Karen worked at a, a dentist. She was a dental assistant. So I went to school full time. We paid, gave the Lord $11 a week when we came to church because we made $110 a week. We lived in this house that was in a bad part of the neighborhood. And we put our clothes on the clothesline and people would steal our clothes off our clothesline and our clothes weren't that good our neighbors had big bars on their on their windows and they had pit bulls in the backyard and we came home one year for christmas and karen made homemade christmas gifts for our family she made this little uh, kind of like a uh, thing that she twine thing together she put uh like uh cinnamon things in it it was beautiful she made a tablecloth she did all these little things and we're getting ready to leave to go back to florida our parents paid for our plane ticket to come home and we're getting ready to fly back out of bwi and i go to see my grandfather that lives across the road from me and my grandfather you know was my favorite of all time family member when i was a kid we used to sit on the on the little step and we would whittle sticks with our pen knives and talk about life whittling our sticks and we had I, I thought I was his favorite you know I thought he loved me more than anybody I just thought the world of him had a little farm 60 acre farm had one tractor, a little farm all tractor and so I'm coming to say goodbye to him before I leave Karen and I up there and he had this thing he used to collect silver dollars and 50-cent pieces that he kept in a coffee can behind his chair that he sat in. And I remember saying goodbye to him, and he reached around and put his hand in that coffee can and took a big handful of silver dollars and 50-cent pieces and put it in my hand. I said, Papa, I'm not going to take this money. He used to lay the coins out and look at them look at the years he loved these coins i said i'm not going to take this he said you're going to take it 
You're going to get to Pensacola, and you're going to need some bread. You're going to need some milk. And I took that money. I put it in my pocket, and I could never spend it because they were coins of love. They were not coins of duty. They were coins of love. When you give online and you support Bayshore and you help us to reach our community, I never want you to give out of obligation. I want you to give because Jesus has transformed your heart and your life. And we give because we love him. We give because we love him. Would you lift your hands to the Lord and let's let the Lord readjust our hearts when it comes to giving. God loves a cheerful giver. He loves that. Don't give out of duty. Don't give out of obligations, Paul said. Don't give grudgingly, Paul said. The greatest giver of all time is not Stephen King. The greatest giver of all time was God himself. John 3.16, for God so loved the world. That was his motivation. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Now, Lord, the same spirit that the Father gave Jesus, gave us Jesus to redeem us. As we live our lives and we serve you in our community, as Bayshore Community Church continues to grow, and as we give, we give out of love, we give out of gratitude like Abraham that, Lord, you've brought us through some tough times. you brought us through the downturn of our business. you brought us through trying to get the kids through college. you brought us through all these things. And so like Abraham coming from the battle, we give you our tithe and honor you out of gratitude, out of love, out of celebration, not out of law. So, Lord, let your spirit move on us as we become a people of gratitude, a people of giving. We thank you for first giving to us. Say this with me as we end today's service. Say this, Lord God, you gave to me, you gave me Jesus because you love me. And my giving is not motivated by duty, but by love. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you so much for joining us on the Bayshore Podcast. I want to encourage you to take this message you just received and allow it to go deep into your soul and let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thanks to everyone that gives generously to Bayshore. It's because of you that this ministry is possible, creating life change all over the world. You can be a part of spreading the message around the world by going to bayshore.online and clicking give. For all things Bayshore, visit bayshore.online to find out what your next step may be. You can subscribe right here and share this podcast with your friends and family. Thank you again for listening. God bless you.